Hi, I'm Dane Shiner. And I'm J.V. Hampton Van Sant. And welcome to Wannabe Film Buffs. Where we watch all the movies that we somehow managed to miss until now. All right, everybody. Welcome the fuck back, everyone. This um, is going to be another unpopular opinion episode because this uh, this time we're covering Pulp Fiction. Will it be unpopular? Like <laughs> A lot of people love this movie. Oh, a lot of people are wrong, but all right. Um, here <laughs> we go. Like, I'm okay. just going to keep being so i am about this um this, this very small reprieve from our rapid fire series binge hell was released in 1994 written and directed by quentin tarantino it won one oscar for best original screenplay that's hilarious fine also hang on i forgot to write down what number this is in our goddamn list it's a uh, nine, nine, nine. Eight. It's eight. Oh fuck! Never mind. Just kidding. Sorry, I got confused. <laughs> uh, however, um, it was uh, nominated for another six. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Are you ready, JV? Yeah. Uh, it was nominated for best picture. <sighs> it was won by Forrest Gump. Okay. Fair and valid. 94 was a fucking year. Also, this was like, the year um, that uh, Shawshank was also nominated for Best Picture. This should not have been in the running with Shawshank. <laughs> All <laughs> does right. not deserve it. And so, I just, anyway. <laughs> keep on trucking. We, we're, we're only like a minute or so in. <laughs> oh. uh, best lead actor, John Travolta. Fair. Uh, it was won by Tom Hanks in Forrest Gump. Fair. You'll notice a theme here with Oscars in this year. Yeah. Um, best supporting actor, though, Samuel Jackson. Deserved, but like, I would have called him a lead, but I understand why Same. they didn't. Yeah, like, I know why they didn't. I just would have called him a fucking yeah. lead. It's fine. Uh, won by Martin Landau in Ed Wood. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Best Supporting Actress, Uma Thurman. (laughs) Uh, Won by Diane Weist for Bullets Over Broadway. Huh. Best Director, Robert, uh, won by Robert Zemeckis for Forrest Gump. (laughs) And nominated for Best Editing, also won by Forrest Gump. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. So. Oh my god. I just realized something. Yeah. This is Quentin Tarantino's third movie. Third movie, yes. His third. His third. His third. I. I just. God, I fucking hate this man. Anyway, like, we're just, like... Oh, we have a few Tarantino movies on here. Like, Reservoir Dogs is apparently also his, which is funny to me, because I do not know what that movie is, and it doesn't really 
matter to me anyway. Like, I just, I don't care. Um, yeah. Um, I, I'm pretty sure Kill Bill is on here. That I personally enjoyed deserved. Kill Bill. That might be deserved. I don't remember. Like, I think I liked that one. I recall liking the first one and yeah. thinking that the second one was bullshit. But, like, that's... <laughs> I don't know. And I could even be wrong with that opinion. I guess we'll get to it. Mm -hmm. But like this, this is his third. His first was my best friend's birthday. And then Reservoir Dogs in 91 slash 92. 91 being the video short um, and 92 being the uh, actual release. And then, oh, wait a minute. He also had true romance in between these two. In between Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Um, did he direct true? He did not direct true romance. That is why I didn't think about it. Mm -hmm. Okay, there we are. That answers that question. Um, he did write it, though, which is weird. But anyway, um, and this is his, uh, this is, this is his fourth in terms of writing and that feels weird he is also um acted more than he's written in things interesting that does not add up and does not make any sense and i dislike this um he has a way of just putting himself in all of his things in a way that is not pleasant He's also just not a pleasant human to look at. But that feels mean, and I'm being an asshole for that, and I know that. But honestly, I don't really give a shit. Fuck him. And we'll get to why. Anyway, I guess we should dive in on this fucking plot, because the faster we dive in on this plot, the faster we can be the fuck over with this piece of trash-ass movie. Oh my... <laughs> um, All right. So... <laughs> this is one of those like if you want to know what my opinion of this thing is you don't gotta wait long i already fucking said it it's yeah. fine but like, <laughs> we'll dive into why later um so i'll kick us off with this so sure all right late one morning in the hawthorne grill a restaurant on sunset boulevard in los angeles a young couple honey bunny <laughs> and Pumpkin, who have different names, as it's revealed later on, but fine, um, discusses the pros and cons of robbing banks versus liquor stores. Then they add restaurants to the equation, <clears throat> realizing they can make a lot more by taking customers' wallets than they would out of the... than they got out of the till. Um, the two kiss, they declare their love for each other, and stand up in their booth announcing that they are robbing the diner. The only good thing that I would like to point out here is the soundtrack is good right here. That song is so good. <laughs> that song is good. That is nothing to do with this movie, but that song yeah. is a good song. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just kind of love surf rock. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I like that song without like words to it. It's just nice. Definitely. And I mean, it did give us, um, it did give us that Black Eyed Peas song. I fucking hate the Black Eyed Peas so much. I love that 
up. I love that I song specifically. It's very funny. Um, and you know what? That's fine. <laughs> that that is so fine. But anyway. Oh, All right. So earlier in the day, Jules Winfield and Vincent Vega arrive at a San Fernando Valley apartment building. They are hitmen in the employ of Marcellus Wallace and have come to retrieve a valuable belonging of Wallace's from a group of would-be crooks led by a young and naive guy named Brett. They take back the valuable item kept in a briefcase. It glows warmly and transfixes whoever looks at it. Jules recites what he claims is a Bible verse, Ezekiel twenty-five seventeen, before he and Vincent execute Brett. Yep. So story one, uh, Vincent Vega and Marcellus Wallace's wife. Um, at his strip club, Marcellus Wallace, um, ah, Marcellus Wallace pays boxer Butch Coolidge to throw his next fight. Jules and Vincent arrive, though it's only a few hours after their visit to the valley. The two hitmen are sporting gym clothes in place of their suits that they wore earlier in the day. While Jules heads to the men's room, Vincent goes to the bar and encounters Butch. The two men take an or the men take an instant disliking to each other. Vincent insults Butch, um, but before Butch can retaliate, Marcellus calls Vincent over and embraces him. Marcellus is leaving town that evening, and Vincent is to take Marcellus's wife, Mia, out to be entertained uh, out to dinner for her to be entertained or whatever rumors abound that marcel has gravely wounded another associate antoine who he believed had been improperly friendly to mia um so vincent is nervous before picking mia up he visits his drug dealer the racist ass lance um and <laughs> buys some quality heroin from him um, properly sedated, he escorts the cocaine-addicted, chain-smoking Mia to Jackrabbit Slim's, a West Hollywood 1950s-themed restaurant. <laughs> God, this this movie already makes me feel like I'm on coke, but fine. Um, after some small talk about European travel, Mia's failed acting career, foot massage, and rumors about Antoine, which... Mia dispels. Mia enters herself and Vincent into a dance contest. They dance the twist and win a trophy. After dinner, they return to the Wallace's home. Uh, Vincent goes to the bathroom to talk himself out of making a pass at Mia. Meanwhile, she discovers the backy of heroin in his coat pocket and assumes it's cocaine and snorts some. She immediately begins to pass out and begins to foam at the mouth because she is OD'd and that's what happens, I guess, in Hollywood when you OD. Anyway, panicked, um, Vincent takes the dying Mia to Lance's house where they argue about what to do. Um, following Lance's advice by stabbing her with a shot of adrenaline administered straight to the heart, which I... whatever. Anyway... Um, Vincent is able to revive her. Uh, Vincent takes Mia home. They agree to not tell Marcellus what happened since both of them would get in trouble for it. Fuck. Ugh. Anyway. All right. <laughs> so, number two. The Gold Watch. 
The following night, before his fight, Butch dreams of an incident from his childhood. Back at his Tennessee home in 1973, Captain Coons visited Butch to bring him a gold watch. The watch had belonged to Butch's great-grandfather, who took it to World War I with him. Butch's grandfather had taken it to World War II. And I lost my place. Oh, my God. And Butch's father to Vietnam. Uh, Butch's father died as a POW, but gave the watch to Coons to return to Butch. Coons says he and Butch's father had to hide the watch in their rectums to keep it away from their captors. Butch reaches up with his hand and takes the watch from Coons. Mm-hmm. Butch wakes from the dream. Instead of throwing the match, which would have been off screen anyway, whatever, he fights so viciously that he kills his opponent. A.K.A. the exact opposite of throwing the fucking match, but whatever. Um, he took Marcellus's money and bet it on himself. Um, his winnings will amount to a small fortune. Butch t- makes small talk with Esmeralda, um, the driver of the cab he's in, who reveals that she knows he's the boxer who killed his opponent. She seems fascinated with the topic of death. Esmeralda drives Butch... Um, to the seedy motel where he and his French girlfriend Fabienne are staying, having abandoned their apartment. In the morning, they will travel back to Butch's home of Knoxville, Tennessee, claim their winnings, and leave the country. While packing the next morning, um, however, Fabienne reveals that she forgot the gold watch, um, the belonging Butch cherishes above all others. After a savage outburst in which he wrecks the motel's television, Butch takes Fabian's car to get the watch, parking a few blocks away and walking through a vacant lot to his apartment building as a precaution. He enters without incident and finds the wristwatch in his bedroom. He realizes not he's not alone in the apartment when he notices a submachine gun in the kitchen. Catching Vincent off guard, he emerges from um as he emerges from the bathroom, Butch kills him with the gun he found. Um <clears throat> He leaves his apartment after wiping the gun down with a tissue to remove his fingerprints. Leaving the apartment with his watch, Butch encounters Marcellus crossing the street. He tries to run Marcellus over with his car, but only wounds him and is hit by another car himself. Both are injured, and Marcellus chases Butch into a pawn shop, where the disaster of a human owner, Maynard, Mm -hmm. (laughs) overpowers them. Uh, Marcellus and Butch wake up in the basement of the pawn shop, bound and gagged. Maynard has called his cousin. Oh, that was his cousin. Oh, boy, that is. Mm -hmm. Who works as a security card. Maynard and Zed are apparently a pair of redneck serial killers who kill passersby who open open happen into their store. While the Gimp, a huge man-child dressed head-to-toe in black leather fetish gear, watches Butch, Maynard and Zed take Marcellus into the next room and begin to rape him. Mm -hmm. Ah, Jesus Christ. Uh, Butch Mm -hmm. manages to break the ropes of the chair holding him and knocks out the Gimp. Ready to leave the pawn shop and Marcellus to his fate, Butch has an attack of conscience. That's a weird way to put it and procures a samurai sword and rescues Marcellus. In the process, Maynard is killed and Zed emasculated by a shotgun blast fired by Marcellus. Marcellus stays behind to oversee the torture execution of 
Zed, I'm gonna get medieval on your ass, he tells him. But promises that as long as Butch never mentions what happened and never returns to Los Angeles, Marcellus will forget that Butch betrayed him in the boxing ring. Butch agrees. In the final scene, Butch and Fabian leave town on Grace Zed's chopper-style motorcycle. Oh, fuck that whole sequence. Anyway, here we go. Oh, we um, have to talk about later. <laughs> right? Oh, God. Anyway, story number three, the Bonnie situation. Three days earlier, flashing back in time to just after Vincent and Jules finished killing Brett for stealing Marcellus's prized possession, a gang member um, they had not known about bursts out of the bathroom where he had apparently been uh, when Jules and Vincent entered and empties a large pistol point blank at them. However, all of the bullets miss uh, Vincent and Jules hitting the wall behind them, so they return fire and kill the gang member. Jules is certain whatever occurred was divine intervention, but Vincent dismisses the idea. Um, they leave Marvin. They leave with Marvin, uh, Marcellus's inside man in the gang. Um, in the car, Jules continues his insistence that what happened in the apartment was a miracle and that he's retiring from Marcellus's gang. Vincent leans over the front seat asking Marvin if he believes in miracles, but he accidentally shoots him in the head and kills him. Because of course he did. Um, inside of the... Sorry. The inside of the car is now covered in blood and brain matter. Jules, furious at Vincent's klutziness which is a fun word, um, drives to the house of his only friend in the valley, his former colleague, named Jimmy. Played by Quentin Tarantino, because fuck this guy, whatever, anyway. Um, Jimmy lets them hide the car in his garage, but angrily tells them that they have to get rid of the body within an hour before his wife Bonnie comes home from her night shift at the hospital. Jules calls Marcellus at his home to explain their predicament. Marcellus then calls Winston Wolf, played by Harvey Keitel. I don't know why I felt like pointing out who that was played by, but whatever. A suave and professional cleaner who solves problems. Wolf arrives at Jimmy's house and tells Vincent and Jules how to clean up the car and themselves. Um... They have to strip out of their business suits, get sprayed down with a garden hose, and wear Jimmy's spare t-shirts and shorts, which explains the attire at the strip club. Um, then helps them dispose of the car at the junkyard belonging to a discreet friend named Monster Joe, whose daughter is Mr. Wolf's girlfriend. With the whole situation resolved, Jules and Vincent decide to have breakfast at the Hawthorne Grill, where they continue their discussion about miracles. Jules reveals his plan to leave his criminal life and travel the globe as a medicant, helping those suffering under tyranny. Vincent, upset that his friend and partner is leaving the life, mocks him, then goes to the bathroom. Just then, Honey Bunny and Pumpkin begin their robbery of the diner. They furiously collect the cash from the register and the patron's wallets. Jules gives Pumpkin his wallet, but when Pumpkin tries to take Marcellus's briefcase, Jules pulls his gun and disarms Pumpkin. While Vincent holds Honey Bunny at bay, 
Jules explains to Pumpkin how even earlier that morning he would have killed Pumpkin and Honey Bunny without a second thought. He recites his Ur Ursatz version. Yeah, Ursatz yeah. version. Ursatz version of Ezekiel twenty five seventeen again. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the iniquities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers, and you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon you. That is so hard not to say in Samuel L. Jackson's voice. <laughs> and that's fair. It is also the most metal of, like, anything and i do that is the one thing in the script that i enjoy is like whenever he quotes a bible verse i don't know why it is just kind of great um but yeah. that's the only good part and i still don't know that i want to whatever anyway that's fine um jules explains that while he previously thought it was thought it was cool to make such a cold-blooded passage the last thing his victims heard he now realizes that the tyranny of that the tyranny of evil men part of the passage refers to him and he intends to become a better person he and vincent allow honey bunny to leave with all the money but not the briefcase they leave the diner themselves and head to marcellus's strip club okay so Let's uh let's unpack here pros and cons. <laughs> so the only pros that I have here is literally simply Samuel L. Jackson. That he's the only yeah. pro of this movie. <laughs> that is like he is well and truly the only pro of this movie. That is it. That is all. That is all. That is all I've got. That's all I've got that was good in this. Okay. Uh I'll do my pros. Um, I Go thought Uma Thurman was fun in this movie. I didn't think she was necessarily fantastic, but she was a fun character. All right. <laughs> uh, also, Samuel L. Jackson, because yes. Yeah. And um, the diner scene. Um, I thought it was a well put together scene. And, uh, I considered this diner scene such a pro, it's a con, because the rest of the movie could have been this well-written and orchestrated and filmed. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that just... There was all of this. <laughs> that And that just hurts me to my core. Like, to my actual core. That fact that, like, there were moments, there was two moments of lucidity and it was basically that like that's it and it just like ugh, it bothers the shit out of me and i'm just forever gonna be mad at this anyway so really embarrassing fun fact of mine mm -hmm. so uh back in the the days of me being a theater major which are no oh, more well. um i did christopher walken's watch monologue for a theater class <laughs> Wow. That's a goddamn choice, but all right. Yeah. <laughs> Go, Go yeah. off. Go uh, off. <laughs> no, that's it. 
that's it. That's my fun fact. Well, yeah, no, I was just saying go off because that is funny and very fun and a good and a funny good choice. <laughs> like this movie is functionally speaking okay. So there was this thing in audio fiction, and it still exists, and I still hate it. Um, okay. where the premise of a show was that somebody was trapped Mm -hmm. in some form of isolated situation. Okay. Wherein the next thing and only thing that they did for the remainder of the time was have philosophical discussions, and that is what their show was. (sighs) With nobody, because they had nobody there to talk to. It was simply them talking out loud to a room full of nobody. Oh my god. That is that is so god. pretentious. That is very much a th- a film school freshman final project. <laughs> it is fucking aggravating. Like I freely admit that there were scenes where I did that very specifically in things that I've written, but it was more it wasn't even a there's only one character here and they're the only one talking wasn't even that it was that i gave well i gave you a villain monologue because that felt appropriate (laughs) like and i needed to explain what the fuck was happening and like all of them served a general purpose and every conversation in this even if it did lead to something felt pointless to me much like the philosophizing that occurs in shows that have a bad premise. <laughs> Which just leads me to think that the premise of this whole fucking thing was bad. Um, also, the point of this, I don't know that there was a point to this. Also, the story going, like, weirdly out of order mm-hmm. does not help this movie. No. There are times where things like that absolutely help. This mm-hmm. is not one of those times. Yeah. This movie would have been much better served being told in actual order. But, well, I guess when you have a shitty writer, I guess that wouldn't happen, now would it? <laughs> oh, God. Shall we get the cons, JV? The cons are everything in this movie are is fucking trash. <laughs> Casual racism just thrown the fuck in there. Hence, like, and and this is my biggest issue with Quentin Tarantino is racism without a purpose. Mm-hmm. Not even to show that a character is shitty and we're not supposed to root for them. No, no, no. Just pointless. And I just don't accept that it's necessary because it's not. The line specific, like, there's a line that Lance has at one point. Well, um, fucking, uh, well, fucking Vincent is off to go, like, pick up heroin, which, whatever. Um, like, there, there's just a moment there where I realized, oh, like, like it just casually dropped in there. Yeah. And, like, that man's delivery of that line was such that, like, 
it was like it was just sort of fine and like it was just casually like any other thing that he could possibly have said to which i was like that's bullshit and also not how this works and also what who like Mm -hmm. at the very least and this is why um like this isn't just a general thing about i don't know maybe it's a blackness thing um when black people add the word nigga to a script, <laughs> when we do that, we place it in such a way where, first of all, it is never exiting the mouth of a person like this gentleman here. Never. Mm. Fucking never. Because we don't want to deal with that shit. He's not going to do it correctly. He's not even going to pronounce it correctly. He's not even going to deliver it correctly in the way that it should be delivered. Mm-hmm. Like it just like in a way for it to appropriately be in a script and be appropriate, like it wouldn't this isn't how it would be delivered. This is it being used as like a noun that is not an emphatic noun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there's an emphatic noun thing that's sort of appropriate. Like or I don't know. It's difficult to sort of word specifically, but there's, yeah. And then like there, there's also that whole introductory sequence where like, I, whatever, like where we're talking to Honey Bunny and Pumpkin and um, Pumpkin is just dropping a whole bunch of real racist shit casually mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing. It's also I completely forgot that that man is actually a, a is a UK author and a, literally when you go to his IMDb page the first thing that it says is he is frequently mistaken for an American actor, <laughs> which is funny to me. But then I looked at his at his thing, at his uh at the rest of the things he's been in. Okay, this is just my slight segue into this the thing that i saw on this list that he was in that i fucking loved so goddamn much is the show lie to me where he was dr cal lightman aka the star of that fucking show Mm -hmm. which was why for the first like full scene of the movie i was sitting there wondering why the fuck do I know this man? What was he in that I un- that I know his face for some reason? But I don't recognize his voice, and that's why. He his he is very very good at um at an American accent. He's quite good at that. Um, he's been in honestly several very good things, but the best thing I think he was in was Lie to Me. Um, Granted, let me see what else he was in super quick. Oh, he was in Tin- Twin Peaks. Holy shit. Huh. Wow. Um, Twin Peaks, but the the re the reboot of it, so the 2017 part. Um and uh oh yeah, I guess he's also in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but he's just sort of cr- like I don't know, he's credited in it, but I don't I guess we don't like see him. Hmm. Whatever. In the Hateful Eight as well. Um Oh, and he was in Selma as a <laughs> George Governor George Wallace. So yeah, um, there's that. Um, person who is criminally underused in this movie, um, Phil Lamar. Yeah. <laughs> Can we Phil discuss? <laughs> first of all, I feel like we should discuss the fact that this man's. That this man's career 
his acting credits, 456 acting credits. Voice actors. <laughs> yep. <laughs> voice actor and, like, actual physical actor. He um, was the voice of Ragdoll in The Flash, um, which is funny because I literally saw him in an episode of something or heard him in an episode of something, like, two to three weeks ago, which is buck wild to me. But, like, I, like, didn't even recognize that that was him because he's very good at his job. He also, uh, Bojack Horseman, um, of course, uh, or not of course, but, like, just sort of of course is another thing that he was in. Um, That's sort of, yeah, Supergirl last season um, as a white uh, as a as a martian um he's voiced oh fuck he was even in frozen (laughs) 2 wow (laughs) would not have fucking known um (laughs) like and the thing that i realized the other day that he was in and thus tweeted at him and he liked my tweet which i thought was fun um right i was like that oh that's oh yay ah was that he was in um <laughs> he was in Osmosis Jones the TV series <laughs> which infinitely better than this movie let me fucking tell ya um what i'm saying Osmosis Jones was infinitely better than a fucking movie that's bad like that's that's real bad if that's if that is out, if it's outdone by that, but like, sure. He also was Samurai Jack, which is a thing I didn't fucking realize. Oh yeah, he was Samurai Jack. Yeah, fully missed that. Um, he was in a video game that I was playing literally earlier today. Um, <laughs> Injustice: Gods Among Us. He was uh, Aquaman mm-hmm. in that, and an Arkham Guard, and the John Stewart Green Lantern, which is which makes sense and and i feel good about that yes anyway those were the two things that i'd looked up separate to this so i had something nice to say (laughs) that's all um is i think that those two are good actors and i think they did i will say that i think um Tim Roth did a good job in the role that he was given. Mm-hmm. I I believed he was terrified during that second diner scene. <laughs> I would be. <laughs> because I was shook. But like, uh-huh. I was also laughing my ass off during that whole scene, which makes me think, which I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think that was the reaction I, I was intended to have. <laughs> um, which again speaks to, shitty writing um had his writing been better i wouldn't have been fucking cackling at a scene where i should have actually been like oh shit like super tense about the whole fucking thing Mm. anyway that's all so my cons (laughs) yeah uh i I have the feeling we are going to we're gonna hear me say this with a lot of movies that we're gonna go review I am not a fan about movies about nothing. Oh my god! Like I oh, just, just anything, anything just related to slice of life. Just can't do it. Can't. Yeah, yeah, and like 
that just that was truly for me the other like real big thing about this where i was like i this is fucking stupid and this movie has no purpose there was no plot <laughs> this movie has no purpose existing anyway here mm-hmm. we are so um, uh um again another thing that i am probably going to say a lot is my god Okay, fine. If your movie is about racism, yes, there needs to be racism. If you ha- if your movie is set in the Jim Crow South, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, people are going to be fucking racist. But the, this is the 90s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was unnecessary. It, 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 it made abs- it did not make anything relevant to the plot it did not move the story forward it made no thematic sense whatsoever it didn't oh fuck he was also static shock that was the other thing he was my apologies i have been looking up what else he was because i was trying to remember like what the fuck else has he done that i just haven't anyway basically everything it's fine um just one of those like voices of your childhood that you're just sort of like wait he really did all that, didn't he? Wow. Even invaders in. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, anyway. I yeah, like, and I mean, there is the also the general concept, if I was going to like attempt to excuse it, which I don't feel like there's a need for, but if I was going to, the only charitable thing that I could possibly fucking give it is that like yeah, maybe in these circles that would be legit. I don't really know how the fuck Tarantino would know that. <laughs> no. His lily white ass. Anyway. Yeah. I, mm. <laughs> I just, I have nothing pleasant to say about that gentleman. So I'm going to like try to just contain myself okay. for the remainder of this. I got, I got one more con. I am mm-hmm. so tired. Of John Travolta and his weird fucking dancing. First Greenland, yeah. then Saturday Night Fever, and now Pulp Fiction. How the <laughs> fuck is this twist scene supposed to be iconic? It's it is it's stupid. It's the most Get ridiculous it. thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Like if they yeah. were like if they're like really into it, it'd be hilarious. But they weren't. <laughs> no, they weren't. And this is like one of the other reasons that I was looking at it was like, yeah, I don't. I don't give a shit about these people. Um, like, I mean, I didn't give a shit about them before that, but like that specifically also had me just like No. 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 Just no. Hmm. oh dear so are we (laughs) are we uh gonna go for our final ratings now i guess so i'm ready if you are cool so let's just run down our list here (laughs) Woo, howdy a plot no there isn't zero uh pacing zero yeah i gave it a zero for that i I was bored the whole fucking time. Yeah, this... Uh, Acting and characters. I'm gonna give it half a star just for Samuel L. Jackson. Yes, correct. But, like, 
when one character or one actor is like the only like redeemable quality in this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, you don't get a full star. You get half a star. Yeah. Writing. No. That's a hard pass for me, dog. Like <laughs> if if there wasn't a bunch of ridiculous ca- uh, casual and nonsensical racism, the dialogue you were left with, even though it meant really not much, was pretty witty and kind of kind of had something going for it. But like, it was immediately replaced by like everything that came after it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, like God. the foot massage dialogue was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I thought that was funny. I like, will give that that. Like that was funny. Like Samuel Jackson and John Travolta's dialogue throughout this entire film is gold, but you they're not on screen most of the time. So that kind of loses it. Right, yeah. Uh soundtrack uh, besides that surf rock song at the beginning, it just didn't have one. So yeah, no star. Hard pass uh, on star there. Uh, directing, no, nothing really. No, this does not. Uh, Fuck no. No, I'm never giving Quentin Tarantino anything. To be honest with you, <laughs> like it's one of those things that because like. Because of the things that I do remember of anything that I've seen of his, mm. he's I can tell you right now, direction-wise, he ain't never getting a fucking star from me. <sighs> um, also, there is a thing that he, um, like, there's a thing that happened. It wasn't with this one. It was with Kill Bill, okay. um, where... Um, uh, Uma Thurber was in a car accident, like legitimately almost died, and that was definitely his fault as a director. Oh God, what? Yeah, like we'll I guess get to that when we get there. But like, I was talking to um, I was talking to my co-host from Crime and Color last night um about this, and she was like, "Yeah, no, he is an asshole, and that's one of the reasons." I'm like, "Well, here we are." color me not surprised <laughs> so cinematography uh-huh. like it had a few like cool shots that were pretty like imaginative so i gave it a half i gave it a star like oh wow okay if i were i noticed it therefore it gets a star you know Fair. yeah uh immersion no Fuck no. Rewatchability. No. no. Overall enjoyability or provocative no. and meaningful thought or emotion. No. No. So this movie for me gets one and a half stars. <laughs> I only gave it one, so here we are. Oh. And that one was fucking gracious, let me fucking tell you. <laughs> um like this is just this is a garbage fire of a movie and I I mistrust people who say that this is their favorite. Yeah. Like, I fully don't trust anybody that says this is their favorite movie. I I don't trust them. And I will never trust them. But anyway, that's that. Um, I just, like, and I don't even have, like, a fun casting thing for it either. Yeah. Because casting wouldn't have fixed it. No. Like, and there's nobody who I would want to rewrite this. And there's not even a version of this that I would want to see. 
No, not really. So I don't have anything extra for it. Uh, it's so. It's really. This is. This is an abysmal ass fucking thing that shouldn't exist ever. Um, yeah, I'm like mad that I spent money on this movie. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm kind of mad that we had to do an episode on this because I feel when we don't like a movie, it's not that fun. <laughs> no, it's like it. There are moments where us not liking a movie can absolutely be fun and good. Oh, this yeah. is not one of them. Um, like this is not one of them. Like. I feel like we're gonna have a little bit of fun next time. Um, oh, I haven't yeah. watched any of those yet, but I think we'll have fun with those. I think so too. These will be fun to watch. Yeah, I have no basis for thinking that. I just think that that's true. <laughs> so I guess we'll see what the fuck happens. Um, but like, this movie was god awful and. That comes from me who likes god awful things on occasion. <laughs> oh, God. God. Fucking God. I believe I said this in a text. I would rather have watched Crossroads. <laughs> <laughs> like Crossroads by Britney Spears. I would rather have watched that than this. Also, and mm-hmm. like, why is Uma Thurman like the cover girl for this movie? It doesn't make sense. She was barely the fuck in this. The cover of this movie doesn't make sense. The poster for this movie doesn't make sense. Nothing about this movie makes any fucking sense. And I do not understand why it was up for anything. It does not even seem interesting. The only thing that occasionally seems interesting is that some of the characters go on a couple rants, and the couple rants that they go on are kind of interesting. Yeah. Like, Samuel L. Jackson's rant at the end there... In that last fucking scene was choice and golden, but that is different, and that is entirely because of Samuel L. Jackson's delivery. The writing is abysmal, but I will I will say that my favorite line is <laughs> if you give him that money, I will shoot him on general principle. <laughs> why that was so funny to me but i was cackling like i was cackling mainly because like uh like if i had to explain it it's because the whole situation was so fucking ridiculous that the concept of (laughs) that the concept that they went through all of that just for him to shoot him because he handed him the money is so funny and I would have loved that. Like I would have loved if that was how that ended <laughs> rather than them leaving. Like nope, just as they're leaving just fucking shoots both of them and then everybody is just like and then they go through they get their wallet and then they fucking leave and just everyone's like what do we do with that? <laughs> what like what do we do with what just happened? Do we call like obviously we call the police, but do we like do we say who who shot them? I don't think we say who shot them. <laughs> and that would fully be my response to that, but like fine. Oh man. But I don't know. Tim Roth was a was good in in another thing, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Um I guess everyone in that movie has been good in other things, but like I don't, uh, I can't even say that that's true. Whatever. Anyway, 
Um, I guess by the time our listeners do listen to this episode, I will have already done um a thing wherein where I do a live stream of Crossroads, um, which <laughs> what? is um yeah, like I'm I'm going to do that. I'm doing that. I I wasn't sure if I was going to do that later tonight or if I'm going to do it tomorrow. I might do it tomorrow. Um, mainly because I have a sewing project to do tonight, and it would be nice to watch the movie to watch a movie while doing a sewing project. So, but anyway, that's unrelated. Um, <clears throat> so uh, hopefully everyone out there is doing well and fine, and uh, is is coping um god knows where we're gonna be with this fucking quarantine bullshit ass situation because this is coming out we're recording this a solid four weeks early like for not it's not four weeks away but like we recorded that first episode with christine what feels like a while ago yeah (laughs) and that just dropped like about 20 minutes before we started talking because I was late, but whatever. Um, so, <laughs> like that, this will come out in case anybody wants to know what our fucking time schedule is. That's what it looks like right now. Um, it, maybe it'll, maybe we'll catch up at some point. Who fucking knows? Um, that would be hell for me, honestly. If we started doing this and there was only like a couple days, like a week in between it launching, and I don't know why that would be hell for me, but it would be anyway. It's fine. Um, so. Um, yeah, I guess y'all, um, be safe, um, do as many good things as you, oh, sorry, no, it's be well, do as many good things as you possibly can, um, without leaving your home, and, um, (laughs) stay safe out there, and turn up to some seal. And turn Um, up to some black-eyed peas. (laughs) Oh my god, and turn up to some black-eyed peas. (laughs) Pump it (laughs) Anyway, I'm <laughs> I'm sorry I've assaulted everyone's eardrums. Um but we will catch y'all next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.